cheap deal. I like it. I'm into it. But he stinks, bro. I can't. I can't. There's no way around it. He just stinks. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I know it's been a while, but I'm your host, Kyle Maggio, here with my co-host, Sean Geddes and Dean Joannou. Got it? Got it. Okay. So, uh, look, left you guys. It's been a little bit. Uh, we've been very busy, but we are very back, and we are very excited to talk New York Knicks basketball. The Knicks have been balling, brother, and so has Julius Randle. So has Jalen Brunson. It's been Pretty good times in New York, uh, if you ask me. Uh, I, for one, am enjoying year one of the Jalen Brunson experience. Uh, I'm very excited. I woke up excited this morning that we have three more years after this of Jalen Brunson playing basketball here. Uh, he came off a career high. Uh, Sean, you want to hit me with that career high last night? How many How many of them things was it? 38 and things. Today and today and Ocho. 38 oh. and things indeed. Mm. And clutch. And clutch. I mean... That was big shot after big shot. Mid-range. They said the mid-range is dead. Not in New York. Not in the garden. Jalen Brunson was cooking. I don't care if it was the Spurs, and I don't care if it was generational tanking from the Spurs. It was beautiful to watch Jalen Brunson cook. It's beautiful to watch a Knicks point guard just score the fucking basketball and score it a lot. So I'm having a lot of fun. I just want to leave it right there. And, you know, Sean, I'll have it up to you first, just in general. What are, what are your thoughts right now? What are the vibes like? What do you what do you love seeing right now on that basketball court from the New York Knicks? Um, so the vibes are nice, man. I mean, they were excellent during the eight-game win streak. They were getting a little lower during the five-game losing streak, especially sure. dropping some games we shouldn't have. But, you know, just getting back to winning ways, starting to get guys back on the court. Julius is playing, like, out of his mind um, and on a consistent basis. And even one of my favorite things about last night is that Julius Randle shot terribly. Like, in all aspects of the game. He was 9 for 26 from the field. He was 1 of 8 from 3. And he was 6 for 11 from the free throw line. Like, quite literally, a terrible shooting performance at, at every level. And he had a great game. He had a great game. He had three steals, four blocks. He was all over the place. He, he you know, was really big for us. He scored a lot during the, down the stretch of the third quarter. And it's nice that he, he can even impact games. And he can impact winning basketball, even without his shot falling. Um, that's a huge thing. We didn't really get that last year. Last year, if Julius wasn't shooting well, it was like a terrible feeling for everybody. Um, Jalen coming back and getting right back into the swing of things. Like, you know, he missed a few games, got right back out there, and he just absolutely hooping. I mean, he gave the Suns about 24, and he came in and gave the Spurs 38. And, like, right from the jump, too, like, okay, you guys cannot guard me. You're going to have to switch this game plan up. He was just out there toasting people. He's scoring at all three levels, the smallest guy on the floor able to get any shot he wants at all three levels. It's insane. The footwork is incredible. Everything about the way he plays basketball on the offensive end is great. And honestly, with isn't being given enough credit, he's playing good defense. Like, if you really watch Jalen Brunson, like, he's out there and he's playing good defense. He's competing defensively. He's in the right spots. He's, you know, getting through screens, all those things. You know, the, the narrative on him is just, oh, he's a bad defender. And granted, he's small, so he can be taken advantage of at times. But he's out there competing defensively, man. It's really nice to see. Uh, Emmanuel quickly has been playing excellent basketball. Like, wow. I mean, how vindicated do we feel? Like, this is great. I'm so proud of him. 
Uh, he's out there getting starting starting opportunities, and he's out there making it happen. Whether he's starting at the one or starting at the two, whatever the team needs from him, he's bringing. Uh, he's playing much better offensively, so that's great to see. He's finishing in the paint through contact, like uh, so many things that we've all wanted for him for a long time, and we're seeing on a nightly basis now. And then Mitchell Robinson, like he didn't have the greatest game last night because the rest gave him some bogus calls, but he's just dominating the basketball game. Like on both sides of the floor, he's just so impactful. He's making no-look kickouts off of offensive rebounds. Like we're, we're getting so many things that we're so excited about. Quentin Grimes has been excellent, locking up, knocking down big shots, showing more and more of his game as we go along. I want him to get some more touches. But like I just love the fact that what we're seeing out there is guys are playing well individually and hitting their stride. And we're also hitting our stride collectively. And so when RJ gets back and Obi gets back out there, it's the movie. I'm really excited. How about you, Dean? What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing all of those same things. And the one thing I would want to focus in on is Quentin, oh, sorry, not Quentin Grimes, but Emmanuel quickly. Um, RJ Barrett going out was super unfortunate. He had picked up his play so much uh, over the last few weeks, over the last month, uh, whatever period you want to call it. But the fact that RJ has been out has meant quickly is getting starts. Uh, Brunson, the time that Brunson was out, of course, quickly was starting. And so I, you know, I expect Manuel quickly to go back to the bench when the team is at full strength. But I think that this period where some guys have been out of the lineup is going to be really beneficial in the long term. Because when Emmanuel goes, when Emmanuel quickly goes back to the bench, I expect him to carry over this rhythm that he's established as a starter. And so when we had Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench, playing great defense, giving us some playmaking, but struggling with his own offense. You know, he was still a really valuable player. But now I think we're going to see the Emmanuel quickly off the bench, who we thought would be in that six-man conversation coming into the year. And the same goes with Grimes. Grimes was already a starter. He was already playing good minutes. But a game like that, 33-point game that he had, was it 33-34? No, a game like that, yeah, a game like that, I don't think would have happened if RJ was in the lineup. And not because they can't coexist to both go off at the same time, but the Knicks are very structured in the way that they play, their packing order, who's going to get those touches. And so now that Grimes has gotten the opportunity to get those touches, I think that integrating RJ back in, you know, what was already a strong starting wing duo is going to be, you know, even stronger. So I'm very excited to see the team at full strength. Yeah, and just a, another note here on Emmanuel quickly. Last nine games, 19.3 points, 4.9 assists to only 1.3 turnovers, four and a half rebounds. He's shooting, thankfully, this is is the best part, uh, shooting 45.2% from the field, 39.4% from three. Um, He he had been doing other things this year. It was just that the efficiency hadn't been there to begin, and it was kind of a slow climb out of that. And now the shots are going in. Like, it's that simple. He's exuding confidence when he's playing right now. Uh, even last night, just being able to come in. He was a starting two last night. And this is why I, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of debate, we know. Endless debate on Nick's Twitter all the time about nonsensical things, things that don't matter. Like, is, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? What we've been saying for a while, he's a guard. He's a guard. That's the beautiful thing about Emmanuel quickly. He's a guard. Doesn't matter. You can put him at the point guard position. You can put him at the shooting guard position. He's a guard. And true guards can play either way. And he does that because... It's not just, oh, I could score some points. You look at it, 15 points isn't, isn't much, right? 15 points is just a good, good, solid night out. He's not a big guy. He got eight rebounds. You know, five assists. 
got to steal. Like he's always doing different things. He he's not afraid to go in there and rebound the basketball. Like he gets long boards. He knows where to get. Like if you ever watch, like he's always kind of around that free throw line, off to the side a little bit. He knows where the bounces are going to come out. Takes it and runs with it. He's a smart basketball player, man. And when you let him play, we've been saying he's sort of a rhythm and confidence player for a while. But like when you actually see him play with it. It's noticeable. And that's how I feel this last like nine, 10 games has been for him. He's been very confident when he's out there. And uh, it's just really, really nice to see. And that's why whether he starts, whether he doesn't, whether he's at the one or the two, or the sixth man, he just got to play this way. He's got to play this way. He's got to get a lot of minutes. This is why we said, you know, he's got to be closer to 30 just because the, the nature of his game, he's got to just be on the floor. He's got to feel out the game. He's got to feel out how it's going. He's got to feel out who's hot, who's not. If he has to take over, he has to shoot more. It's just the kind of guy that he is. So good, good to see him establishing that a little bit and getting the opportunities to do so. This is a team that's got a lot of young mouths to feed, right? We know that not everybody's going to get all the shots and all the touches and everything that they want. So every time you get an opportunity like this, if RJ is out where you get a little bump in your minutes, you got to make the most of it. He has certainly made the most of it, you know? So just just good to see just this is what you want on any team that's going to be able to to advance in the playoffs or even make the playoffs you need to have guys who are able to kind of come at you in waves step up play well it doesn't matter you need to have some depth right okay we have Jalen Brunson if Jalen's out okay oh well now there's Emmanuel quickly right now, now there's Quentin Grimes if RJ's out you know it's like there's little things here that we can start to count on that we maybe couldn't last year you know it was like oh Evan Fournier oh Derek Rose you know we kind of know where things were going, but now these guys are getting real opportunities and making the most of it too. They're playing a little bit more confidently. And again, just, just really great to see. And, uh, you know, back, back to, you know, Julius real quick, four blocks last night. I just want to talk about the, the chase down the, the, the late Julius, if you will, because that was, that was something beautiful. Not, not just the, first of all, We've seen him play good defense, but he's never he's never really a blocks guy. Like he's more of like a, I'm just gonna body you, kind of stop stop your drive, stop whatever, right? In in the paint, you know, just before the circle there, we kind of know how he plays like his better defense when he's bodying up and get, being in the right spots, you know, rotating properly. He's not known for all those blocks, especially like a chase down block and seeing him just go get it. Like that was that was really nice to see, and I do think coming. Not just was it nice to see because, you know, on, on its own, it was a, gr- a great play. One of the best defensive plays of his career. But coming off the back of that postgame interview where he was talking and saying, you know, oh, it's good to be on the Garden's good side again and getting the MVP chance and and kind of feeling the love. And then even last night in his postgame press conference, he's like playing around with the wide with Jalen Brunson. Like the vibes are up right now. And when the vibes are up, Julius is up and he's playing great. Like that's a that's a play when he's feeling good you could tell he's feeling good he's feeling positive like he's gonna go make those plays when he's feeling that good so just in general just just an exciting game to see just an exciting uh performance from julius in general like sean said even if the shooting wasn't there and that's really all that you could hope for right like just the efforts playing well and uh i don't know i just feel like it rubs off on the rest of the team you know unless you're you're evan fournier you come in at the end of the game and you just got to make two free throws to ice it against the lottery Spurs and you make one miss one. And, and now we got to sweat it out. And now we got to sweat it out again because you couldn't just hit the two fucking free throws. I, I don't know. I, maybe if the Knicks used him right, he would have made his second free throw. I, I don't understand, you know, why, how he su- such an accurate shooter possibly could have missed this, but it's neither here nor there. I just had to slip in some Evan Fournier slander. Yeah, and I just while we're talking about Julius, one, oh, sorry. 
Sorry, just uh, while we're talking Julius and how well he's been playing, we just wanted to mention uh, his last 10. And he's been averaging 29.2 points, 12.9 rebounds, four and a half assists over his last 10, which has him up to 24 and 10 on the season. You know, he's going to have to overcome the the less assists. This is what I said in our Slack the other day. Like, he didn't come up in the All-Star voting today. We're going to get to the full results in, you know, shortly. But the scoring and the rebounding is, is so good that I, I don't think the assist issue is going to matter soon because if they keep playing the way that they're playing, he's going to start hovering that 25-point-per-game mark. You're averaging 25-10 and 10 on a top 5, 6 seed. It's going to be very, very difficult to not make the playoffs, especially, like, this is not, like, don't conflate me with that other, you know, other guy with, with the Pascal Siakam incident, but pa- Pascal is having a terrific individual season, like really like lights out. I've watched the Raptors. He's fucking balling. I know, I, I, of course, the game against the Knicks. Toronto is kind of a mess right now. I, I don't think I don't think they're, they're they're harboring a lot of all star energy right now is the way that I'm trying to word it. I think he's definitely deserving of being in that all star spot. But if you're basically scoring more or less the same. The rebounds are, are more, you know, Julius clearly has him out rebounded, but Siakam clearly has him out assisted. I, I think, you know, tie tie goes to the winner and, and tie goes to Julius Randle was the way that I would go. And then outside of that, it's like what, like Bam Kuzma, Bam could get in. I'm not gonna sit here and do the whole Bam versus Julius. Bam, Bam could easily get in, but like Kuz is the other competition. Kuz is fucking balling. I love Kuz, but not not for All Star, not not for this position, right? So. I want to pull up the, the full list of votes. Uh, I don't have it up at this moment in time, so I'm going to scramble for a second. But I've got it. Okay, pull, Dean, read me the results. Okay, so now we enter into the portion of who got more all-star votes than Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, and how do we feel about it? And I think it's a little predictable how we're going to feel about these. But starting with the front court in the East, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, no-brainer top four there. Then we have Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Kuzma, Paolo, Nick Claxton, and Jared Allen. And for context, six guys off of each side, no, six guards, six forwards is who's going to make the all-star team. Uh, There's always, of course, usually every year there's an injury replacement. But for Julius Randle to not be above Claxton, Jared Allen, Paolo, in my opinion, Kuzma, he absolutely should be above. I think the debate here is with Julius Randle and Pascal Siakam for that sixth spot. And I am concerned that um, I don't think we're really accepting this possibility, but I think that the likelihood is that Julius and Jalen Brunson both won't make the all-star team. That is what I would, you know, if my life depended on it, that's where I think this is headed. And I think we're going to see just a flamethrower Julius Randle after that, if that happens. I would be very scared to play against Julius Randle after that because he's a very deserving all-star. Yeah, I I, I think Julius will make it. I mean, it'll be a little bit of a tougher case for Jalen, but like we just said, like, Julius is over most of those guys. When it comes down to Pascal, like, he should get it over him because the Raptors don't aren't harboring all-star energy, like I just said. You know, we were always told that was why Terrence Davis made the all-rookie team over RJ, right? Because winning matters. So, like, you know, winning better matter. Like winning better matter. So if it mattered in all rookie voting, it better matter for the all-star. Like it's always claimed that it matters. So I need to see it matter. And I'm really disgusted by the fact that they left Julius off of the player of the month uh, running 
and had Franz Wagner and Buddy Heald was on there, bro. Like, come on. I feel like it's very disrespectful, and I don't want that disrespect to lead to uh, to translate over to the all-star voting because that's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is is a little bit twofold, I guess. So I think the, the, the first, there's two things at play here with Julius Randle and the voting, right? So the first thing is we have to look at Knicks fans. Knicks fans have had a a very icy situation with Julius entering the season. And understandably, I'm not placing blame on that, right? Because it takes some time for him to play well, to prove to you that maybe last season was a fluke and he is capable of playing like he did closer to, you know, the season prior, right? But he has to prove it to you. It can't be five games to start the season. It can't be 10 games to start the season. It has to be something more. It has to be 20, 25, 30. You have to really start to see a larger sample and be like, okay, I'm now comfortable. This is the Julius that I remember. I can start to forget last year a little bit. But that just started to happen. Like, he he had been playing well. He's been playing well really the whole season. But to the point where fans are like, oh, I don't have to talk about trading him every day. I don't have to talk about all his trade values up. I don't have to talk about, oh, well, is he going to do it in two weeks? Is he going to do it next? You know what I mean? It's become a different conversation now. And and fans have now finally relaxed is the sense that I've gotten from even the most staunch like Julius haters, right, from from the Knicks fan base. So I think that's part one. I'm not saying it's the the sole reason, the bigger reason, right? But that's part one. Like there there was sort of a, a thawing of that situation that had to happen, right? And I think that does affect how he does get votes in his own, you know, fan base. So I think you'll probably start to see his votes pile up very quickly in this next month or so, right? Leading up to the game. Now for sure they want to get him in. And plus, we probably didn't think he was going to be totally left off. And now seeing him totally left off, it's like, ah, man, we, we as fans, at least from the fan voting perspective, have work to do in getting that out there, making sure that he gets some kind of votes. And Jalen, too, it's not just a Julius thing. But uh, that's the first part. But the second thing, too, um, you know, it like there there is stiff competition. I agree with, you know, at least with Pascal and the numbers and things like that. But at, at the end of the day, like... I feel like he's got time to make it up, you know? Like, I feel like he has, not that he started slow or anything, but this momentum he sort of gained in terms of like, oh, okay, he's playing well, to like, oh, no, he's like, he's like fucking balling. Like, and now it's like really picked up steam. So I don't know if Pascal Siakam can continue to to match what Julius is going to do individually because we know when, like, Julius is putting up numbers, like, th- there's some gaudy fucking numbers sometimes. Like, it's like... Even last night, bad shooting night. It's a double double with three steals and four blocks, and you're like, "What is going on here?" It's a, it's a it's a very full stat line. So when he's locked in like this, I don't know that just in an individual numbers perspective that Pascal is going to be able to keep up. And that's not to say that he's not capable, but I just don't think in this next like three to four week period that it's going to need to happen. Especially, I'm reading all these things now about Toronto's looking to be active around, you know. At the trade deadline, I don't know how much they're going to blow it up, but definitely some pieces are going to move because, they, I mean, they didn't even score a field goal yesterday, right? They, what did they start? 0 for, 0 for 14? 0 for, it was like something like, no, I'm not making it up, right? It was a real, it was a real thing. It was like, oh, they, they could not score the ball. I saw every time I refreshed my timeline, it would be like another five to ten minutes and Raptors fans would be like, they still haven't scored. What is going on? They have not made a shot. They're going to blow up some portion of this team. Somebody's going to be out. I don't know if it's Gary Trent Jr. I don't know if it's OG. I don't know 
I doubt Pascal moves, but the point is, is he really going to be in the, I'm playing it up, of course, but is he really going to be able to, in all this drama match, the production of one Julius Randle? I don't know that he will. I just don't know. I, I watched Julius do a chase down block last night, and I just don't know that anybody's going to be able to catch him is kind of my thing here. If he's doing that, what hope do you really have is sort of my thing. So that that's where I stand on it. And I feel Julius will make it. I feel like Jalen's going to have a tougher time. Did we read uh, the backcourt situation? Let's get that. Let's get that out there. And before we do, I want to mention that the NBA changed. You know, you can dress 13 players from a game as opposed to it used to be 12 years ago. So why is the all-star team 12 guys from each conference during an era where guys are putting up ridiculous numbers? Like, let's show some more guys love, in my opinion. Let's move that to 13 players per conference, since that's the amount of players that dress for an NBA game to start with. But to read off the guards, number one, Kyrie Irving, having an incredible year. No issues there. Donovan Mitchell just scored 71 points. James Harden, Jalen Brown, Trey Young. So that's five. But now this last spot. Number six, DeMar DeRozan. First of all, how many years in a row is this that he's eligible to be voted in as a guard? DeMar DeRozan does not play guard, ever. DeMar DeRozan is a small forward. He plays some power forward, not a guard. Then number seven, LaMelo Ball. I believe he's played eight games this year. Number eight, Tyrese Halliburton. I think Halliburton, I mean, we know from the Wally Zerbiak fiasco that, you know, that's the guy that's kind of uh, battling it out with Jalen Brunson for that last spot. After Tyrese Halliburton, and this is something I've been wanting to get into, Derrick Rose at nine. If you're a Derrick Rose fan, you feel so strongly about it that you've been logging into the NBA app every day to vote for Derrick Rose for the All-Star game, even though he's been in and out of the Knicks lineup. Is that really something you want? Like looking back at his career when you're talking about his accolades and how good he was, and you say how many times he made the All-Star game, and then someone can come back at you with, well, what about the time that he was in Tom Thibodeau's doghouse and he still made the All-Star team? I, I don't really understand voting for guys who, you know, obviously don't have the resume during that given year of making the team, but that's an aside. And then number 10, we have Darius Garland, who's been injured, but a great player. I think, I, I, I don't know, maybe I haven't watched enough Cavs games. I think I'd have Jalen over Darius Garland. I think I'd have Jalen over Darius Garland. Garland missed a ton of time. I think that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, that, that's and he hasn't. Thing, I don't right? think he's been like so great in the time that he's played that like you know he has to be over Jalen. Not to say he hasn't been good, but I just don't know if he's been like so you know out of this world great. And he's the second best guard in this team. I mean, you're right. When when you miss that much time, it's the same thing as Lamelo. If Lamelo was healthy all year, we're probably not batting an eye because we know what he does when he's fully healthy, playing every day, right? Garland, the same thing. He, he went nuts last year. We didn't even, back, when we were talking about all-star uh, backcourt last year, we were talking about Garland. We had no issues. We are like, yeah, I mean, of course he's, it was like, he was going to be one of the final spots. We're like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's incredible right now. What are you going to do? He has to make the game. If he played more, maybe, but how can you justify it over what's happening with Jalen Brunson right now? Jalen Brunson has missed a small amount of time in, comparatively, and he's balling. It's, this is a no-brainer. Oh, and Derek Rose, can I give my can I give my conspiracy theory? It's not much of a conspiracy theory. It's twofold. Okay. So if one, the entire city of Chicago just wakes up 5 a.m. every morning, all at once. It's like a timer. They just get up, they log into their NBA app, 
and they just vote for Derrick Rose. That's the first thing that happens. It's just the city of Chicago at the same time, all at once, in unison, voting for Derrick Rose. Understandably, son of Chicago, right? Of course they're going to do it. They'll, they'll always have his back. The second thing was, he's got this, like, massive deal with Adidas, and Adidas... In, his, in the height of his powers, always had him going to China to do these big tours. He was always out there. They love him. They love him so much. I I saw, I used to watch the thing, like when he used to go out there and do the tour. They, it, the crowds, a crazy crowd. They love that guy. It's China and it's Chicago. Collusion, China, Chicago. It's, it's a lot of C's here. That's what's happening. That's how he gets the vote. He, he just wakes. He's penciled in. No matter what happens, it, it could be five years from now. The first round of All-Star votes comes out. Derrick Rose is over 200,000 votes. It's always going to happen. I mean, think about Yao Ming back in the day. Yao Ming would have a broken foot, hasn't stepped on the court all year. He's like right up there. 200,000 votes yeah. right out the gate. Yeah. What's funny is, you know, Knicks fans at the peak of their Randall hatred we're probably, uh, we all saw hundreds, maybe thousands of tweets about, you know, sending Julius Randle to China, playing for the Shanghai Sharks, all, all those kinds of jokes, you know, played out jokes. And we got to send him to China for another reason. We need, we need that support because he belongs in the All-Star game. On merit, he belongs on, in the All-Star game. And like, if you're, if you're familiar with my opinions at all, I am Obi Toppin's biggest fan. I've been begging and pleading for more Obi and less Julius. There were times where I begged for no Julius. He's been my favorite player to watch on the Knicks this year. Julius Randle has been a joy to watch. Once again, I don't know how he's done this twice now in his Knicks tenure, but he refocused in the offseason and came in with a different level of focus. And he's just playing so well. He's a great player. And what you said earlier about the assist being down a little, um, we knew that his playmaking responsibilities would go down a bit with Jalen Brunson joining the team. We were all happy that Jalen Brunson was joining the team. But his, I think, uh, I think that his turnover rate is at an all-time low in his career, if I'm not mistaken. And so these assists are still meaningful assists. I mean, for a power forward to be averaging, like we said, in his last 10 games, four and a half assists, it's a lot for a power forward, but his turnovers are down. And the one thing, like, even when Julius was at his best, we were worried if a double team was coming his way. I'm not scared of that anymore. Uh, I don't see people bottling Julius up and then... Um, he's not sure what kind of decision to make and it ends in a turnover. He's been playing with so much composure. So the three-point shot, you know, like last night I struggled. I think he was one for eight. In general, it's up. It's around the league average, 35 36%. But more attacking the basket than we've ever seen. The way that he succeeded and excelled in his All-NBA second team year was with uh, just a ridiculous efficiency on difficult mid-range pull-ups. And we're seeing so much less of that. Usually when he pulls from the mid-range now, it's catch at the top of the key, couple of jab steps. They're not respecting it, swoosh. But we're seeing so much more this year versus two years ago versus last year, him getting all the way to the rim, drawing fouls, getting all the way to the rim, um, improved personnel around him. He's able to get there. There's better spacing. So I have loved the Julius Randle experience this year, and I, I don't care if he knows it. Yeah, I saw, saw a stat that, I don't remember the numbers. That big, big surprise to everybody. I don't remember the numbers, but I saw a stat, and his mid range, like the percentage of shots that he's taking in the mid range, is like non existent. Like he's not. It, like you said, it's like, oh, the defense is going to give me the mid range. I'm going to take the mid range, and then if it's not there, it just does not happen anymore. And he's barreling in. Um, even 
again, he didn't make many shots or, you know, he made shots. He didn't make all his shots last night. Obviously, he had a rough shooting night in total. But the shots that he was making were like tough, like near the, like he had one, it was like the Jalen Brunson half spin, you know, he, he went left and then he, he came back and he's like, you know, he's being more calculated about it. Like you said, whether he's being strong and overpowering or he's just like, all right, I'm just going to work my way back in. And he's being smarter, you know, like that's what we wanted to see, you know, and you can still take the threes. We need you to take the threes. In fact, we just didn't need five dribbles and a mid-range pull-up. And he's now really like not just reduced, it's like gone. So that's smart because Jalen Brunson now occupies the mid-range and there's balance established on the basketball court. And that's what we wanted. That's what they needed. We knew they needed another creator. And that's why he's able to kind of fling it out of the double teams now because one, Jalen Brunson, and then two, he loves Quentin Grimes. Like loves Quentin Grimes. He exclusively looks for Quentin Grimes. I, I, I need to start like a, like a, just a passing data of my own of how many times I watch him do these kickouts. Cause they find each other. Like Grimes knows where to be. Randall knows where he's going to be. And the ball's on a rope. Double team comes. It's going to go to Grimes or it's going to go to Brunson. And he knows it every single time. I have two release valves. Either that guy's open in the corner. He's going to hit the three. Jalen's going to take care of business. You know, cook on top and, and figure it out. Right. So I don't know. It's it's beautiful because last year was really ugly. But to watch the way Julius has grown just from like when he first signed here year after year, things he's had to do with the way his games have to, has had to change. He had to be a number one option. Then he sucked as the number one option. Now he's really good as like a 1A, 1B, alternating with Jalen, right? It's like, it's really nice to just watch him like grow and be like, wow, you know, he's playing really smart this year. And he played smart two years ago. This is a different version of smart. It's like, you know, more calculated, more calm. So just, you got to give it to him, man. The, the way we gave, you know, fans gave it to him last year, you got to give it to him this year. He's doing a real great job. It's real great to see. Yeah, I, I think that's really important too. Like I've been saying, you know, the acknowledgement should be as loud as the criticism was. Like, it's not even about apologies being as loud as disrespect because I think that, you know, the noise last year was warranted. Like, that's what he was giving us. And so now what he's giving us, we have to, a lot of people were so quick to be so negative when he, when it was negative and now it's positive and everybody wants to like be quiet. Like, no, don't be quiet. Like, be loud. Be as loud as you were before. Because, um, you know, in the beginning it was old. He has to do this consistently, but like he's doing it consistently. And like part of what I've enjoyed about Julius' season is that like every time I ask for something, I get it. Like I don't know if he's like watching post game shows or in the space. I have no idea. But like every time I ask for something, I get it. So in the beginning of the year, I was like, "Yo, like he's playing pretty well. He's getting better." But like he's really mailing it in on defense. And I was like, "This is ridiculous." Like ever honestly, ever since I made that clip in the Cavs game of him watching Donovan Mitchell in the corner, he's been playing better defense. I I don't know, you know, I don't want to take the credit for it, but hey, uh, but he's been playing really good defense. Like uh, take the it's an anomaly take the now. <laughs> It's an anomaly now when he's not defending well. And so I, I really appreciate that. And then even during the win streak, I, it got to a point where I was like, you know, Julius is playing really well, but I'd be really happy if he would move the ball a split second earlier sometimes. Like if he would just look to make that kick out, not wait until he's in the double team to kick out of the double team, uh, you know, not try to make the pass that's going to only get the assist, but just let the ball go. And it would make the offense move a lot more smoothly. And he's been doing that. Like there's been very few instances in the past few games, weeks, whatever, where I felt like the ball was sticking with Julius Randle. And so without the ball sticking, I mean, him playing, him bringing consistent effort defensively, I mean, I'm ready to start dialogues about where he is in terms of best players in the league. I'm, I'm prepared. Like, I, I, 
Whatever, whatever. That's, and I feel like that's what it is to be a Knicks fan. When you give us, we'll give you. I will be annoying on your behalf. I'm ready. It's what I do. So it's just like, if you're going to go out there and you're going to give us 25 and 10 a game and do it efficiently and play good defense, yeah, I'll put you in conversations with people who, you know, names that people would not put you near. I don't care because why not? Because of the name? No, he's producing at this level. He, he had an all, he was second team all NBA two years ago and he might be playing better this year. Like, that's nuts. So, because you gave me an excellent chance to segue, somebody who's not playing better this year than they did last year, and to Dean's point before, to circle back, you know, about, oh, you know, Obi Toppin's big supporter, Brandon's playing well, you know, now, now where's Obi going to get these minutes? We need to have a conversation about Isaiah Hartenstein because... Holy shit, bro. I mean, I was sold some lies this summer. Now, I was, I'm was i not going to say I didn't watch Hartenstein. I, I did. I watched. I think most of us watched the Clippers. The Clippers are a good team. We all, most of us have league pass. We, we, we watched them, right? Like, I watched him play decent basketball. He played good. He wasn't amazing. He was, you know, back up whatever spot minutes. But he, but he played good. He played well. I, I understood why we signed him, right? Because prior to this, we had kind of done, like, well, who could we play that's exactly like Mitchell Robinson? We'll just keep playing Nerlens the well and just keep the exact same game, more or less, right? And I thought, okay, they're doing something to get a different look from the five. They want somebody who maybe could pass a little bit. You know, we, we know we could step outside, hit some shots. And then the, the reason I feel lied to is because I saw all this data about his rim protection and things, and I thought, okay, then, then I really understood the signing. Like, okay, you think you got a little bit of shooting. You got some rim protection when Mitch is out. Cheap deal. I like it. I'm into it. But he stinks, bro. I can't. I can't. There's no way around it. He just stinks. Like, I, I have no agenda. I don't even. I don't even dislike him. I, I'm just really disappointed that he hasn't played well or or fit in this scheme because I thought this was a really easy, like plug and play. It, it's it's never plug and play. It's the, I think that's a myth for for a lot of reasons. But I really thought for him it was gonna work like exactly how they thought it was going to work. I didn't think it was a dramatic thing. And he's stinking it up and he's stinking it up. And I just think this, it, it was time the last two years, but it for sure is time now that Obi gets some minutes at the five because, okay. Yeah. Sims for sure. I have no problem with Sims. I'm not saying Sims needs to like disappear either, but like Sims could take those minutes from Hardenstein and I would be fine with it. But I think as you're coming up on Obi, you know, coming into a fourth year and everything, you're going to have to start paying this guy soon. You need to like find ways to increase his minutes because you need to decide whether A, you're going to pay him or B, he needs to play more anyway because if you want to trade him, he can't play 12 minutes a night because no matter how much you like Obi Toppin, teams aren't going to like Obi Toppin if he plays 12 minutes a night. They want to see him play more. So with Julius playing this way, with Hartenstein playing this way, it just feels like the easiest way to get Obi some minutes too. So this is sort of a twofold discussion I just wanted to drop on you guys. But Hartenstein's thinking it up. Obi's coming back now. He came back officially yesterday, right? But it was situational. So he's going to be back into the fold. Hopefully he's not out of the rotation. But this just seems like the right time to banish Hartenstein and just fuck. Tibbs has done some shit we didn't think he was going to do this year. It's, it's, it's a lot of young guys in the rotation, right? Let's, let's be honest. Let's be fair, okay? It's not perfect, but it's 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 really, it's getting there. If he does this last thing 
I don't know how anybody could ever complain again. This is the last like attempt at fixing this situation when somebody's thinking it up, in my opinion. But Dean, as the OB guy, I'm going to throw it to you first. And then, Sean, you know, you just hop in and do your thing because this has to be talked about. He stinks. He stinks. He stinks. Yeah, so let's talk about it. He definitely has stunk. And as a lot of Knicks fans have pointed out, Isaiah Hardenstein thrives as a passer uh, from the top of the key, looking for cutters. That's where he's best. I acknowledge that he hasn't been used in his ideal role. And that is you know, probably the, the main cause of his struggles. But we were sold a bill of goods when it comes to his defense, unless his conditioning is just uh, so far below what it was with the Clippers. But he's, you know, he seems below average athletically. Uh, he struggles to get there to contest shots. Even when it looks like he's in good position to contest, he doesn't put up enough of a fight. He stands still with his hands straight up, not making the actual leap to block the shot. And so I don't see Tibbs making a midseason. We we're, we're, what, 39 games in? I don't see Tibbs making the on-court adjustment to use Isaiah Hartenstein in a different way. I can see him benching him altogether as he usually usually goes from one extreme to the other. Like when he benched Kemba from starter to not playing. Evan Fournier went from starter to not playing. So I could see Obi getting his spot back and then the backup five minutes all going to Sims. I could absolutely see that. And that's what I'm hoping to see. Um, At the same time, even though this hasn't really been Tibbs' MO. I don't think that Obi should be Julius's backup uh, and Jericho Sims should be Mitchell Robinson's backup. You know, in a black and white sense, they play when the other one doesn't. Obi's minutes should bleed into the backup five minutes. It's time. It's time. We've been begging for Randall and Obi minutes for how long? It's, it's going to work. It's going to work. I promise. You can hold me personally accountable if it doesn't work. I swear. Because why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't it work? And so I think the highest ceiling, honestly, is if Tibbs deployed Hartenstein in that ideal way and let him be a passer and uh, Obi and Hartenstein together could form a great duo, as a lot of us were excited about coming into the year. They had some really nice moments in preseason together. But because I don't anticipate that happening, it'll simply be one of them is diving to the rim, one of them is spotting up in the corner. Um, I would rather see the uber-athletic, Highest flying big man duo since Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, Obi Toppin and Jericho Sims coming off the bench. Because how do you deal with that? Come on, you're coming off the bench. It's an 82-game season. You're tired. You're weary. And all of a sudden, two guys who could win a dunk contest at any given time, both on the court together, and two guys who play with a lot of passion, who play really hard, who make things difficult for you. So um you what you were saying about this being the one last thing i'm in full agreement with that like i can't believe i've gotten to this point but i like the way tibbs has structured his rotations if obi comes in and hardenstein comes out i genuinely have no complaints unless you know people start playing at different levels than they've been playing for better or worse yeah no i agree wholeheartedly i mean i think that's the last uh infinity stone i think we we've this nine rotation has worked out for us I think that the only uh, issue with it was the uh, heart Sims thing wasn't exactly beautiful. Um, and, you know, it's worked in the way that we've needed it to, but now always back and we won't see that anymore. And so I think that it doesn't make sense to bring Obi back for Jericho Sims and have Jericho Sims collecting DMPs when almost anybody with eyes 
can see that Isaiah Hardenstein is a player that shouldn't be playing. And I think that if Isaiah Hardenstein, like Dean said, there's always that one guy, right? But if we remove that one guy from the rotation and I'm enjoying the basketball that I'm getting from everybody on the team all night, that would be beautiful. I mean, I'm just thinking it because, you know, we play RJ with that bench lineup. So it's like quick, deuce, RJ, OB, Jericho. Oh, my goodness. Like RJ running high, pick and rolls at Jericho Sims while OB's in the corners. And, you know, you got quick and deuce on the wings. Uh, and Jericho's rolling into an open paint. RJ's attacking his man. I think it's just too easy. And I think that we'd have great value. And I think it would be the best version of our team. To be honest, we really haven't had a full team all year. Like Grimes was hurt. Then Mitch was hurt. Then Obi was hurt. Then RJ was hurt. Jalen was hurt. So it's like RJ coming back, Obi coming back, us having this nightmare. I think Obi got hurt right before we went to the nightmare rotation. So I think this could be the most optimal version of the nightmare rotation. I think the sky's the limit with that team. And I would love to see all those guys start to gel and fit into their roles. And the simp- the really simple thing, you know, I want it to be Obi and Sims, but if he goes even a step further and makes Obi the first big off the bench, like I've been begging for, and subs Obi for Mitch, and then subs Jericho for Randall when Randall comes out, I think I might cry. But I must say, you're right, Kyle. We have gotten so much from Tom Thibodeau this year, like that people would have never thought would have happened. I don't think anybody... And I was saying it should, but I don't think anybody before the season would have said Tom Thibodeau will have Derrick Rose collecting DMPs while do some pride plays. So, Sean, I'm so glad you brought that up because the really, like, if I had to find one last complaint, really, right, and you mentioned about Obi being the first big off the bench, it's Julius, and it's not just Julius because I think against the Spurs, Julius, Grimes, and Brunson all played the whole first quarter, but Julius still plays, like, the whole first quarter. And if you just simply made Obi the first big off the bench and had him come in for Julius just slightly earlier, you can then leave him in when Randall comes back. And like the whole thing just makes more sense, right? Like it just, it just fits. And then Julius doesn't have to play 12 fucking straight minutes because nobody should play 12 straight minutes of basketball at the NBA level, unless you're LeBron in the fourth quarter. Right? Like, I mean, this is winning time, right? Like you're not supposed to just be out there nonstop because like you do get gassed. It happens. Like that affects your effort in the course of a game too. But like, we know this, we know it's the Tibbs problem, but that, that is like, if I had to nitpick on like how I, I personally would fix the rest of this rotation, like I wholeheartedly agree. Like Obi would be the first guy off the bench and it would be that sub. And it's, you know, no slight to Randall, like Julius, I need you to keep balling the way you're balling brother, but you can't play 12 straight minutes. Obi comes in a little bit first. You come back, we want you to play with Obi because when you get back out there, we, we need you to get this breather because you're going to be running. Now we're going small ball, you know, obviously situationally. You can't always be, you can't always go small ball. But the point is like, I would like that dynamic more. And I feel like that's what's going to end up helping them too because then you can get, you can get wild because you could do certain, like you said about the bench unit too, even with RJ. Do you stagger Randall with some of the bench unit with RJ? Like, do you like how nuts do you want to get? It gives you more options and it gives you more looks. And I feel like when you have guys now that are in this rotation, like a Grimes, and especially in addition, like a Brunson, I feel like you have so many pieces that you can mix and match with that it helps us come playoff time. Because I feel like when we made the playoffs last time, we had one specific unit that had to play and had to play well for us to get anywhere. And when I look at this team, not that everybody's perfect or superstars, but I'm just looking at more capable options and more mix and matching than maybe we were able to do before. And I feel like if you do like that one last sub, that one last change with, with, with Obi, I feel like that really is kind of like how you start to see like the whole picture, you know, in terms of like, all right, man, 
this team might not have it all, but we've maximized it pretty much as much as we can. And I don't think we ever could have said that before about Tibbs. Like we're already close, which is already surprising enough. But if that if that were to happen, which I, I just I just don't see how it couldn't happen at this point. I almost want to like wail it into existence further. I just don't see how it couldn't happen. Him coming back, Hartenstein sticking it up. How could it not happen at this point? But that would be my last thing. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I wholeheartedly agree. I would love to see that. Um, and it would open a lot up for us. And I just think, you know, it's a it's a very sensible thing. Um, and, and I do hope that we see it. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, just getting letting guys get into their roles, get into a groove, the team being healthy, and seeing what we can do. You know, we have a lot of this, this January schedule is pretty – it's, it's, it, there's a lot of food on the menu. There's I a was, lot of food on the menu. So I, I just pulled it up. Now, this is what I wanted to bring up. We're playing well at the right time. And I don't want to be dramatic because I'm not trying to do like, oh, well, if they're perfectly healthy. the six, I'm going to go right to it. The Sixers are never healthy, ever. There's always a problem. There's always, and I, and I love the Sixers. I do. I think I, I like Harden and Embiid together. I love Joel Embiid. I love Joel Embiid so fucking much. I think we can catch the Sixers because they're just not going to be healthy. Like, even when these guys are back 100%, like, Maxie's still working back now. But, like, can you really depend on James Harden the rest of the season? Can you really depend on Joel and B from a health perspective the rest of the season? I'm not saying he's going to, like, miss three months, but to not miss a week here, to not miss two weeks here, like, little things like that, right? I think we can catch the Sixers, man, because, like, we are already kind of there and we've blown some games. Like if we just simply didn't have a five game losing streak after an eight game winning streak, we just won two more of those games. Like we're already tied with them, right? Like we're not at a disadvantaged position to be a top five team. And the upcoming slate outside of like this Milwaukee game, really. And if you want to be cynical, Toronto, despite them playing like trash lately, they sort of always have our number. They have for a while, but I don't know if this team is bought in with Nick Nurse anymore at this point in time. Again, trying to will this part out. But the upcoming slate is, you know, at Toronto versus Milwaukee. Uh, you know, at home, Milwaukee. At home, you know, against uh, Indiana. And then at Wizards, at Pistons. We play Toronto again. We play the Wizards again. At the Hawks, where I mean, we it feels like we beat the shit out of the Hawks every regular season game. It's just unfortunate we had to lose that series because we really like if you look at the regular season the last three years, like we 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 always beat the Hawks, right? Uh, Toronto again, then Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn. Then it starts to get a little bit difficult, right at the end of the month. But that's like a stretch of ten games where outside of the Bucks, you're like, we could win like eight of these games. Like the way that we're playing, these are not good teams. These teams are not playing well right now. I mean, even the Bucs, until Giannis started going nuts these last three, four games, I mean, he's been going nuts the whole season. But if he hasn't been going nuts the last three, four games, like, as a team, the Bucs weren't playing super well either, right? So it's like, winnable games, man. This is this is a, a time where right before the All-Star break, you could really make a big push. You could really put yourself into the fifth seed because even if these guys are back for the Sixers, are they now going to gel immediately, start winning a bunch of games again like normal, like everyone expected? They're ready the fifth seed. Are they going to really be able to like keep it up? I'm not saying they're going to like fall out of the playoff picture. I'm just saying I think we can catch them, and I think this is the window because that's it's not going to get any easier once you get to February. February is when we play a lot of the winning teams, right? Like you gotta you gotta kind of like make the push now, and I think why why wouldn't I believe that we can make the push? Like I'm sort of all in on this. They're going to have a pretty good record this this next ten games. I'm very I'm very in on this. I don't know where we're going to land. Maybe we just 
solidify ourselves as a sixth seed, the other teams fall back, that would also be fine as long as we avoid the play-in. But I think we can catch the Sixers. I don't think that that's a scorching take. And that the reason I keep saying this is because you want to get into a position where you're the 4-5 if you're the Knicks. I don't think you want to have to deal with one of the top three seeds. I think if you want to give yourself the best chance to get out of the first round, you're not going to be one of the top three seeds to get a favorable matchup, right? But if you can at least get to the five seed and deal with whoever's the four, I think you could you could maybe pull that out. I think you give yourself a better chance. So that's where my head's at. I, I've maybe gone full optimist at this point. I don't even recognize myself, quite frankly, when I'm listening to myself speak. Uh, it feels foreign, but I think I think they do it. Yeah, and the Knicks, like we saw two years ago, the Knicks are a team that's going forward in every regular season game. This isn't a team that believes that they just should be guaranteed a playoff spot. And when they get there, they're going to flip a switch. This Knicks team is better, deeper. I have more faith in them in general than the Knicks team that made the four seed two years ago. But they have the same type of hunger. They don't take anything for granted. Um, I don't think that they are just expecting to be there. I think that they take it a day at a time. And as much criticism of, uh, as we've had of Tom Thibodeau over the years, over his tenure with the Knicks, he's a coach who, when the players playing for him are bought in, and you know, the vast majority of the roster seems absolutely 100% bought in with Tibbs, with the Knicks, and with the mission, this is not a team like the Sixers, um, a veteran team with guys who have been pretty deep in the playoffs before. This is a team that's hungry. Julius Randle is hungry to prove, you know, the one time Julius got to the playoffs with the Knicks after such an incredible regular season, he had a very rough series against the Atlanta Hawks. Jalen Brunson shined as a playoff performer last year in Dallas, but now he is the lead guard. Now he's the lead guard on his own team trying to get back to the playoffs. So Quinn Grimes just got promoted to being a starter. Emmanuel quickly was, uh, he was a rookie the last time that the Knicks made the playoffs. This is a hungry team. Mitchell Robinson didn't get to play in that series, which was huge. This is a hungry team. When I watch any team in the league, I don't see a team that's uh, outright just hungrier than this Knicks team. So uh, like you're saying, it seems crazy to, you know, if you would have told me from a few months ago that I'd have this much optimism at this point in the season, I would have been surprised, but I do. I have the optimism. And I want people to always keep in mind that there's nothing wrong with being wrong or there's nothing wrong with something you believed ending up, you know, not maintaining. And so, like, like I said earlier about how I used to feel about Julius Randle versus now, like we're not Knicks fans so that we can watch the developments of this team and be right about all of our takes. We're just supposed to analyze what's in front of us and root for the team. So where the team is right now is in a very positive spot. I think what Dean just said there is important. I've been like really, you know, adamant about that. Like it, first and foremost is Knicks fanhood. And I think that with the climate of, you know, NBA Twitter and spaces and all this stuff, everybody's become like such a big fan of themselves and their takes that they've got to be right. Like, and I, listen, if something is going to lead to the, like I, I spin around on this chair and called a man a criminal. Like, but if he's going to make adjustments and do things that lead to us playing successful basketball, then like, I'm cool. Like, I'm good. I would rather be wrong. Sure. That's fine by me. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm open to that. And so I think everybody should just, you know, you can have things that you want to be right about. You can have things that you think are true. But first and foremost, should always be Nick fandom. 
And so that's why even with the Julius, I think Julius is the, is the best example. And it's like, you know, this guy is playing all NBA level basketball in a Knicks uniform for the second time in three years. Like how many times have we seen that done? Like outside of Melo, like we don't really see that like it, it, in this millennium. So for people to turn their noses up at that is crazy to me. And that just shows me that it's more about yourself than it is about the Knicks for you. And I hope that everybody's able to check that and get on the same page and just be excited about this team. And we're playing good basketball. This is our first time starting a calendar year off over 500 in a decade. Like, what are we all crying about? <laughs> we watched Alexi Fed and Lou Amundsen run pick and roll, bro. Like, I don't understand how people are upset with this team. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and real quick on Julius Randle, there are, of course, obviously much less than before, but there are still people advocating for the Knicks to trade him at what they view to be a time where his value might be at the highest. And I want people to put into perspective that Julius Randle is, or at least has been playing this season, like the best player on the team. Teams don't trade their best player often. And you have to look at the vision that this front office has for this team. They're in lockstep with the coach. This is a coach who is the least likely of all 30 NBA head coaches to tank. This is not, that's just not the vision of the team. So when you talk about trading Randall, I don't think in a vacuum, the idea of trading him is crazy because you want to think, you know, what, um, is Julius Randle going to be part of the next contending Knicks team? Every team's goal is to eventually win a championship. Do you think that you are going to be at that level as a team while this guy is still playing at or near this level? That may or may not be the case. But the team brought Jalen Brunson in in the offseason. They're playing well. They're in playoff position. And we've seen this team under this front office convince themselves that they are contending for something while the results were worse. So if the Knicks tomorrow fired Leon Rose and they hired Sam Hinkie or someone else with a rebuilding type of uh, ethos, okay, the, the direction of the team has obviously changed. Maybe you can get a lot for Julius Randle. The Knicks already have a lot of picks, and maybe they can really position themselves for a rebuild. So the Knicks do have the ability with their roster, with their draft pick haul, um, to move towards a true rebuild that would be really well-stocked. But that's not going to happen. That's so far from being in the cards that we can just appreciate Julius Randle. I promise. Like, we can just appreciate how well he's playing. He's not going to get traded. There's no chance. There's really no chance. Yeah, and again, like, I, I have been, in, in my, my TKW tenure, a pretty staunch Julius Randle defender. Uh, last year, of course, I had nothing to say because I admittedly, you know, of course he was playing like shit. It's just... And then I, started, I gave it my normal quarter of a year. I pushed it towards the half of the year, and then I just gave you know, there was nothing else. I, I couldn't, indefensible, right? At a certain point, indefensible, I got nothing for you, right? But like Sean said, this is not nothing if you're mentioned the same, again, bar is low for this franchise, but if you're mentioned the same breath with Carmelo, like, I mean, how many times are we going to have all NBA level, two out of three seasons? You would take that. If, you, if I would have told you when we first signed Julius Randle that that would have happened, like, hey, two out of three seasons, I don't know about that. One that didn't work out, but two out of three seasons, he's going to be all NBA level, like caliber, right? You would have been like, holy shit. I mean, in a heartbeat, yeah, why wouldn't we take that? And that's not to say don't trade him either, but like the way that the fans talk about it is, is the way that bothers me. There's a way to do everything and there's a way to team build. And it's not always just like this. It's not 2K. Like this guy's value is high. Sell him right now today. We'll start tanking. Maybe we have an outside chance at at Wemby and, and, and that'll be that. And 
if he's playing this well, I assume he's going to more or less play this well the rest of the season. Maybe not exactly this level, right? But like, okay, we we see more or less where he's going to, you know, hover the, this gap of, of level of play, right? So if you're going to move him, you move him in the offseason. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's got a great contract. If he's coming off with another great season and you want to just take stock of what's out there and maybe a, a team wants to give you a great deal, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's the right time to do it then. And you make a new pivot, right? But you don't do it now. That doesn't make sense either. You'd be doing it just to do it like you're scared to get off of him, right? So, of course, like, do your due diligence. See what's out there. See what you could get for him. Is there a star you had your eye on? Can you use Julius and something else to, to get that and do a bigger upgrade? You know, of course, ch- check it out. See what's out there. But it's no rush. Like, the, this rush to get off of him, I, this never-ending, that, that's what I don't get. You know, it, th- there's ways to do things. There's ways to to get around and upgrade, and, and, and the rush to do it is just not the way. And um, the other thing I want to say, too, about the, the anti-tanking sentiment is because everybody says, well, oh, if we make the playoffs, we're not contending right now, so what does it matter? I brought this point up today, and I think you guys agree with me. Uh, not that we always need to agree on this pod, but I, I just think a lot of times it's sensical stuff. But Sean had a tweet yesterday that I loved about, you know, the Knicks fans, you know, argue whatever about not enough young players are playing and, and not the not the ones I want are playing. And this guy's still not getting enough minutes. But, like, if you look at the whole rotation, it's all, it's all young players. It's, it's all young players. Almost all of them have been drafted by the Knicks. Loaded. Loaded. The whole rotation. Like, one through nine it's like just rj and mitch like those were the older young core everybody forgets now because we're caught up on the grimes and the deuce and the sims rj is still like young core right like he's still there mitch got paid but he's still young like he's playing he's starting you know grimes is in the starting lineup for fuck's sake he turned around the whole defense right these guys are playing really good basketball wouldn't you want all these young players playing great basketball right now contributing to winning basketball in the regular season. Wouldn't you want those guys to get playoff reps? Wouldn't you want them to get playoff experience? Because for a number of reasons, right? For different people. For Mitchell Robinson, he didn't make the playoffs last time. The Knicks made the playoffs. He missed the series. Wouldn't you want Mitchell Robinson fresh off of payday? Great shape. You know, he's really playing excellent basketball this year. Wouldn't you want to see what he could do revved up in a playoff series? Wouldn't you want to see Quentin Grimes get a tough assignment? on a star in the playoffs and see how he handles it. Even if he gets fried a little bit, don't you just want to see how he handles it? His first go around having a game plan for somebody. You don't want to see that. RJ Barrett didn't have a spectacular playoffs the last time, his second year player, right? Now he's coming back year four. Don't you want to see what he does? Don't you want to see if he improved from the last time? Julius stunk it up, right? Playing great again. Don't you want to see if Julius is going to bounce back? Don't you want to see if he's going to be able to contribute in a meaningful way? It's these little things that I, that I ask myself because I do think that that stuff matters. It is sort of invaluable to make the playoffs. I, I've said about the Miami Heat comparison over and over. I'm sure people are tired, especially because we're Knicks fans. You don't want to hear me bring up Miami Heat all the time. But the Heat find ways to make the playoffs year after year. Guys that they draft year after year get meaningful reps in the playoffs, right? And I do think that that matters. They have expectations every year. Yeah, we're going to be in the playoffs. Now, how do we get out of the first round? That should be the question. It shouldn't be, are, are we even going to make the playoffs? Are we going to get out of the first round this year? So for me, it's like, that's where the tanking stuff bothers me. Like, if you're in a position like, you you know, you, you mentioned Alexi's fed before, Sean. Like, yeah, if we're in that situation, fucking tank, brother. Like, it, of course, it's off to the races for Wemby. Like, sell anybody at this point in time. But when you got this many young contributors playing good basketball, 
Don't you want to see them in the playoffs and just see what could happen? Isn't that what this was all about? That's all that I heard last year. Play the young guys. Maybe they maybe they could win. Maybe they can make some noise. Now you don't want to see what the noise is about. Now I'm hearing, oh, but but now we're not going to be a high enough seed because we're not a contender. So we just got to sell Julius and now we got to just go and tank. Are we addicted to tanking? Is is that what's going on here? I want to see this team win. I want to see this team make the playoffs. And if the young guys are contributing to wins, isn't that the whole point? Like, I feel like silly even having to ask, but like, is it not valuable? Like, I feel crazy because every time I log on, it's about, oh, but Wemby, oh, but this. It's a little nuts, man. Let these guys get some fucking playoff refs. It's Stockholm Syndrome, man. Like, it's the next PTSD, and it's just what people are used to. And I realized that, like, I think even some, like, childhood trauma, like, truly, is, like, coming out. Like, the other day, uh, my guy, Ari from Manhattan, my guy, tweets in all caps, which is sickening, but cool guy. Um, and he was like, Julius, I was like, yo, Julius is playing like excellent basketball. And he was, he's firmly on like, you know, redo everything, start over, blah, blah, blah. And so he's like, he is. And he's like, you know, now that means his value's high. We can get two first round picks and then we can trade for now. Then we can have enough ammo to trade for two stars. And I was just like, oh, you are stuck in this. Like, you're stuck in it. I grew up doing that. I grew up saying, oh, we can probably do this, and if we can get that guy, and if we blah, 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 if we trade this pick, we can drive two players, and blah, 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 we can get that star and that star. Like, I can't live like that anymore. There aren't even two stars. Like, I don't even know one star available right now, let alone two. Thank you. <laughs> like, so to be saying, oh, we can, and we don't know what the prices of the stars are going to be. We don't know any of that information. And so, like, I can't make everything, I can't make my entire rooting experience about that especially when I'm seeing one of the best products that we've seen on the floor in a long time, especially when you consider that the 2013 team was one of the oldest teams ever. So like the fact that we've got a team now out there playing playoff basketball is sustainable. We have a lot of youth out there contributing, like guys are growing individually and as a whole, I just don't understand it, man. We're not even, and they started to acknowledge that we're not even bad enough to tank for real. Like we're not even bad enough to do it. Like we, we have too many good players we're, we can't be bad. We can't be as bad as those other teams. And so we just got to win basketball games, man. We got to win basketball games and grow from there. Got like everybody talks about oh, development and building, blah, blah, blah. A large part of that is guys getting that experience, even if it is a first round exit. Like people say, oh, first round exit, like it means you didn't go to the playoffs. Like uh, it's okay. Like it's, it's fine. Four teams losing the first round in each conference every single year. Like the Boston Celtics, the year before they went to the finals, were a first round exit. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, you know, a lot of teams, they get these guys' experience. Like that's part of why. Like the Celtics and like that's part of why these guys are more battle tested in the playoffs because they've been there. They've been in these situations like, you know, whatever team it may be like that, that. That's an advantage that teams have in the playoffs, having the experience. And so you get your young guys in there who are playing well. You get them to get playoff experience. And beyond that, everybody's value goes up when they go to the playoffs. So now if you're a playoff team and all these guys, you know, we found ourselves in a situation last summer and I'm not I don't really care for trades and stuff like that anymore. But if you really want to make trades. Raise the value of the guys who are on your team already. Like when you have those Donovan Mitchell trades and you can't really add, like, you know, you got to add a bunch else with Quentin Grimes or with the manual because they haven't seen him do much. And now it's like, okay, well, this guy was in the playoffs and he averaged 15, six and five. Like, you know, it's a little different now. He's worth a lot more. You know, if you want to, if you're trying to, if, if, if you ultimately do want to trade Julius and that's your whole thing, well, get to the playoffs. Let them have a good series. Like it, I just, I, I think we can all get on the same page, just rooting for the team, bro. I, that, that's my ultimate goal. It's for everybody to just be rooting for the team. I, I, it's not a lot to ask for. 
Yeah, like what great teams in recent memory were above 500 halfway through the season and they were like, you know what? This is not the completely optimized vision of a basketball team. So we're going to trade everyone and we're going to come back next year with a team that is well on the way to a championship. And at the same time, like teams don't just go. Usually a team is a first round exit the first year that a core is in the playoffs. It doesn't usually go no playoffs to Eastern Conference Finals. These are the steps you take. And that was an excellent point that Sean made about, you know, we have this guy who averaged 15, 15 and five in the playoffs. Being in the playoffs is important. Also, like we we spent a good amount earlier on the show talking about the all-star votes and the lack thereof for Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. I promise you that those all-star votes would be higher next year if those guys continue playing the way they're playing. They play well in the playoffs. Next year, fans will say, all right, this isn't just a hot streak that we should ignore. These guys are all-star caliber players. And when fans are thinking that, other front offices are thinking that. And also, and uh, you mentioned earlier, um, all the players that we should be excited to see in the playoffs again. You mentioned Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle. I'm going to mention Obi Toppin because the most exciting moment from that playoff series was the Bedlam at the Garden, Mike Breen moment. Obi Toppin was built to be on national TV playoff games playing for the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So we're marching towards it, um, barring unforeseen circumstances. This is a playoff team to me. And it's not just that they're playing well enough or shooting well enough that I think they'll make the playoffs. They have the mindset and they have the approach of a team that I think will comfortably make the playoffs. Um, the goal is, like you said, fourth seed or fifth seed, but just out of the play-in is my major goal. And to not have that come down to the last few days of the season, just to, to comfortably be ahead of that seven spot and be a playoff team. And one last thing for me is that I hope everybody processes how good Quentin Grimes is as a passer. This Quentin Dimes thing, it's not a gimmick. Like he's a very creative passer, yes. a functional passer. He's passing guys open at times. He had the behind the head, um, behind the head dime the other day when he drew two defenders. So it's like, for example, two years ago, the Knicks had Reggie Bullock at the two. He was a three and D guy. He was a very good shooter. He wasn't an amazing defender, but he was a good defender. That was the template. Then the Knicks front office decided the next year we want more offense. So we got Evan Fournier, who was three guy, but obviously not a D guy. Now in Quentin Grimes, we have a guy who is a passer, which neither of those guys were. He's a much better defender than Reggie Bullock was, if we're being honest. And I really like Reggie Bullock mm -hmm. and a more dynamic shooter, in my opinion, as well. So Quentin Grimes, the Knicks for, you know, for years, the Knicks have had a very neutral or slightly negative starting lineup with a good bench. The Knicks have a good starting lineup now, a great starting lineup when you compare it to other teams. And Quentin Grimes has unlocked that. So the fact that the Knicks have found a starting shooting guard um, when at the beginning of the season, we weren't sure what Grimes' role was going to be. That's one. Of, that's been one of the most exciting developments to me. I think a lot of people would agree. He's been great, man. Me. I, I'm a lot of people. He's the only thing I wouldn't say I don't like, but the only, you know, we always have to find something wrong. I started to see some stuff yesterday. Like, well, now Quentin Grimes needs double digit shots every night. And I'm like, I hear you. I'm not opposed to it. You know? Okay. I get it. But if we're winning games and he's playing great defense and he's just filling his role, hitting the shots, you know, and, and those assists, right? He's found a role right now that's working that helps him look good and contributes to wins. I don't think we ought to get caught up on like 
again, it's not 2K. Like, okay, the next thing for him is to get double digits. It's not, it doesn't work that way. They're winning games under this formula. He's bought into his role in a way where his passing is now a, a version of his game that's starting to blossom a little bit, right? We knew about the defense. We knew he was going to hit shots, and now the passing appeared, right? That's a, that's a development. You don't always got to, like, pretend a new thing. Like, oh, Mitchell Robinson needs a hook shot. No, he doesn't. Mitchell Robinson needs to do exactly what the fuck Mitchell Robinson's doing. Low usage, gets the fuck out of the way, cleans the offensive glass, blocks all the shots, plays great defense. That's exactly enough. If he does anything else, that's great, but that's exactly enough. Quentin Grimes hits his threes, plays great defense. If he does anything else, it's a great, it's a bonus. Oh, he's passing now? How terrific. How terrific is it that he's passing? I don't need to see him shoot... 11, 12 shots. It's arbitrary at that point. You're just throwing a number out. Just, you know, enjoy what's actually happening. Like, let's let's live back. Like Sean said, let's live, live, you know, reality. Reality. Knicks reality. Like, let's root for the Knicks and just what's actually fucking happening. I feel like, like you said, the spaces and every, everybody's got this own version of, like, what how it's got to go and who's got to do it and who's got to be successful. The Knicks got to win, brother. That's it. And the Knicks are winning right now, and it's a beautiful feeling. And that's it. That's all we need to see. That's all we need to hear. So, Put a little bow on it. Uh, happy to be back. Happy to be talking next. Happy to be with my my great co-hosts. Uh, we got more stuff coming up for you. Uh, we have TKW Weekly is returning. New year, new us. We're very excited. Uh, we've got a very, very big episode coming up. Uh, there's a special segment baked in based on, you know, little little inter-TKW drama. I, I got the people versus uh, Jay Nicky. Uh, it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of a little bit of drama. I, I got a little a little something special for you guys. And then a nice segment. You know, Ryan's gonna dress it up like he always does. Just you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, wait and see. You know, this is it's been building between Sean and Jeremy. So we're gonna see see what happens here. You know, it's a, this is a, a heavyweight battle for the century. But we had to start TKW Weekly off the right way in this new year. So very excited about that. And if we pull this video clip later on, you'll notice I'm wearing this luxurious. TKW hoodie and what is is this embroidered is this an, an embroidered logo yes yes it is now look we did not reinvent the wheel here we're not the first people to embroider it is very simply a black hoodie with an embroidered logo it is nothing special however it is a heavyweight hoodie it is comfortable and it is quality and what's more let me wheel back here for a second because I was not prepared, but we have caps coming out and a t-shirt, which is not in this room right now, but it's also embroidered because we care about you guys and we're tired of the screen print shit. So more than this to come, but we have some new things that we're going to be dropping for you guys. And we're just excited about in general. Also our design tree site, of course, you know, designtree.com slash the next wall. You guys have been loyal loyal shoppers there for quite some time we have a bunch of new designs coming this uh this week i got a new rj one we got some new stuff coming so again just stay tuned you know slept a little bit at the wheel but we are back we got a lot coming i'm gonna kind of jam it down your throats here there's a lot of things happening at once but that's how we do things when we're up we're up so knicks are winning we got new merch coming we got new tkw weekly coming also sean would you like to quickly tell the people where they could listen to the the best knicks spaces the day after a game uh one way or another the knicks are on one and we will be on at one o'clock so one o'clock every day after the games you can find us uh the knicks on one hashtag tkw on one the knicks were on one at all times win or lose so make sure to be there uh whether you're there live or you're there afterward 
and you uh, listen to the playback, it's a great time. It's a great time. And I'm doing a, you know, I'm really making sure to weed out a lot of the nonsense. So we're trying to shorten the shows, but having a great time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, you heard the man. Tune in if you want to just talk no nonsense. We're just talking about the Knicks. No agendas. We're talking about Knicks basketball. Enjoying Knicks basketball, nothing else. That's what we're trying to get back to. We're trying to simplify the game a little bit. But look, happy to be back. Happy to be talking Knicks. And uh, let's continue to win some games, guys. I think a lot of a lot of good's going to come to close out this January. I think the vibes, we're not quite at like big 15 level vibes yet. But after the wine clip last night, I feel like we're getting dangerously close. We're about like a like on a on a seven out of ten of getting to the big fifteen. We're not all the way there, but like if they win like seven out of the next ten games, I think we're gonna get nuts. But I, I think we're close. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. Of course, subscribe. Uh, you know, listen to this podcast and uh, follow the next wall on all platforms. We're on TikTok now. We're on, of course, you know, YouTube. There's now a timeline of things that happen on YouTube. It's a very, very new experience these days. So follow us everywhere. We got a lot of content coming out, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. Adios.